Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of December 14th through December the 20th. Hope you're all doing well out there. We've got quite a week of astrology ahead of us, including a new moon solar eclipse at 23 degrees of Sagittarius on Monday. Um, we have a couple of superior planets or very slow moving planets changing signs this week with both Jupiter and Saturn moving into Aquarius. That's very exciting as we build up to the uh, great conjunction in air signs that's going to be happening on the winter solstice, December the 21st. So we're going to see a lead up to that this week. Um, we have a Venus-Jupiter sextile that's going to happen, um, as well as Venus sextiling Saturn this week. We have a mercury Kazemi that's going to happen on Saturday the 19th. Um, and then we're going to see uh, Mercury move into Capricorn by the end of the week as well. So lots to get to. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to break it all down for you. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive and in, dive into some of the Aquarius symbolism and see if we can break down what, what the movement of those two very important slow moving planets moving into these new signs is going to bring for us. Uh, in the years ahead, the decades and, and centuries ahead, <laughs> as far as the Grand Conjunction or the Great Conjunction is concerned. All right, so let's move to our planetary condition. Actually, before we do that, I wanted to show you a the card that we are uh, that I pulled for you today, and this is the Fool, which is pretty much a perfect representation of this energy that we're moving into. We're stepping off into the unknown. Uh, in it, you see a figure that is holding a white rose of purity and innocence. He's holding only the possessions that he's able to carry with him on a, on a stick and a, and a bag there. Um, and he's got this little, this little white dog next to him that's, uh, I don't know, either uh, leading him on or maybe telling him he's about to step off a cliff. So th there's a little bit of an energy of stepping into the unknown, but um, needing to really... Uh, sort of watch where you're stepping and watch where we're going because we might be, you know, le leading ourselves to a disaster. But I think that the the main quality with this card is hope. And and as long as we don't have uh, a naive hope, uh, it's the beginning of a great journey. And I think this is something that uh, it was really really interesting to see this card come up uh, that I pulled for all of you this week. Uh, this is also being. Um, uh, confirmed, I think, by uh, a hexagram that I pulled. I'm doing a, a card and a hexagram for the kind of the vibe of the week. And this week I got hexagram number 15, which is called humility uh, or integrity in some systems in the in the I Ching. And uh, it is moving towards the I, the hexagram 35, which is called progress or advancement. So one of the things to keep in mind this week as we move forward is is there's a lot of work to do. Uh, as long as we stay humble and do the work that is asked of us, we may be able to move forward to, to make progress within the society. And uh, I think that's some of the, the themes that we're going to be seeing with Jupiter and Saturn moving into Aquarius too, is there's a lot of work to do, but we might be seeing the return of some hope or some idealism as we step out into the unknown. And it may be very, very different than what we've experienced maybe at any time in our in our collective history. So buckle up everyone. Let's see what the uh, what the planets and the stars have in store for us. 
So I'm going to share my screen here. And we will take a look at the positions of the planets and the planetary condition report. So the sun this week is going to start out in Sagittarius, moving from 22 to 29 degrees of Sagittarius. It is moving fast. Uh, the sun has triplicity dignity of the fire signs by day. We're going to see a number of fixed star conjunctions with uh, in the final decan of Sagittarius. Remember, this decan was associated with the Ten of Wands, where we are, uh, you know, seeing a figure that is carrying a heavy load and trying to really to get to the finish line. I think this is one of the things that we are uh, experiencing right now is this kind of like we're feeling burdened by all these different responsibilities. Um, remember, this is the last decan before we get to the return of the light, where the days start to become longer again. Right now, we're, we're seeing the, the absolute dominance of the nighttime, and the days are getting shorter. At the winter solstice, we have the shortest day of the year, and then we see the sun start to rise again uh, in the sky and begin to make the days just a little bit longer. It's, the night still has dominance, but we're getting to the point in the year where we're uh, maybe some of that hope and that light is returning. Uh, but in this final decan of Sagittarius, there's just a lot that needs to be done. Uh, we may be uh, pushing ourselves to, to exhaustion, um, trying to complete all the tasks of the, of the old year or of the old cycle. I like to consider the winter solstice as my new year. Um, I, I think that we, we had some glitches with the different uh, calendar systems, but from a, from a, a natural perspective, the winter solstice definitely uh, speaks to that newness, that return, that uh, hope for the future. Um, so it'd be a, it's a good time to kind of tie up a lot of loose ends and to prepare yourself for a new beginning. Uh, the sun this week will also be um, of course, we're having that new moon solar eclipse on the 14th, which is a, a conjunction of the sun and the moon. Um, and it's going to be very close to the south node of the moon. We always have eclipses near, near one of the nodes. Uh, and the closer it is to the node, uh, the more total the eclipse is going to be. And in this case, it's within roughly three or four degrees. So it's, I think we can consider this a total eclipse. Um, and then the sun is going to be making a conjunction with Mercury, a direct Mercury, the superior conjunction on the 19th, which is Saturday. So that, that's a very powerful renewal for Mercury. Um, I have some thoughts on that. I had a really interesting discussion with another astrologer named Gary Caton uh, about what Mercury's role would be in the superior conjunction versus the inferior conjunction. I'll talk about that on Saturday as we get closer to it. I guess the the short version is, it, is that Mercury is not necessarily in the underworld, but is visiting the upper realms. Maybe he's visiting Olympus. So uh, that is, there's some really interesting things we could unpack with that. Um, and the sun will be in the terms of Saturn from 21 to 26 degrees, and then moving into the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. So the sun's going to be moving through some challenging decans. Uh, or, I'm sorry. It is a challenging decade, but through some challenging term or bound rulers as well. So that may also contribute to the, the feeling of hardship that we feel in the last degrees of Sagittarius. I compared this last week to a, a horse that was barn eager. Like we're, we're really in the home stretch and we get that, that last burst of energy to really bring us to the finish line.
Uh, the sun this week will be uh, making a trine to Mars and Aries. It will be conjoining Mercury and Sagittarius, and it will be co-present with uh, Venus once it moves into Sagittarius. Once Jupiter and Saturn move into Aquarius, we're going to see a sextile from the sun to those two planets. The host of the sun this week is Jupiter, and Jupiter will begin in Capricorn in its fall, but then move out of that condition uh, into Aquarius. So it'll start off in aversion to its host, okay, where it's in a blind spot, but then its host is going to move into a sextile relationship. So that's a, a nice boost for the sun as we get its, uh, its ruler in a better condition. Saturn this week is a big, a, a big conversation topic. We're going to start the week out with Saturn and Capricorn moving from 29 to 30 degrees. It is fast in motion, but it moves into Aquarius on the 17th, which is Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about the Five of Swords card that it, it has some correspondences with as we get to our breakdown of Saturn in, in Aquarius. Um, it will start out the week in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees and it will make an exact sextile to Venus on the 15th. When it's in Capricorn, it'll be co-present with Jupiter in Capricorn, making that overcoming square to Mars in Aries, and then sextiling uh, Venus in the last degrees of Scorpio. It is in its own domicile, its feminine uh, abode in the sign of Capricorn. Now, once we see Saturn move into Aquarius, which we can see here by the end of the week, uh, we're only going to get to the, you know, maybe through about half a degree of Aquarius or so. It will still be in its own domicile, but it actually gains more dignity as the triplicity ruler of the air signs by day. So not only does it have power for in its own temple, it has kind of this communal, almost Jupiterian-like support as well. Uh, my astrology teacher has broken down uh, that... Uh, the triplicity dignity is sort of like the nature of Jupiter. And that is, uh, his rationale is that there is a sort of a trine relationship between the elemental um, houses in the Thema Mundi. So we can, we can talk about that in a later video, but uh, some interesting things to think about with that. Um, Saturn will be moving through the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees of Aquarius. Uh, it will be co-present with Jupiter once Jupiter makes the shift on Saturday the 19th. Uh, it will be sextiling the Sun and Venus in Sagittarius, and then also Mercury in Sagittarius. Uh, and it will be making now a sextile relationship to Mars in Aries. Now that's a huge improvement for, for Mars in particular, because Mars uh, was, was basically um, being uh, told no pretty severely by Saturn and Capricorn, by, by that overcoming square. Um, so now that it's a sextile relationship, it, it, is, it is a little bit more, we may have some more freedom of movement and freedom of action. And every, every new act that we try to pursue is not going to be blocked by that Saturnian, uh, you know, fatherly energy, I guess you could call it. Uh, Saturn, of course, is still in its own domicile, and it's also going to be in its joy in Aquarius. One of the things I wanted to kind of talk about with, with uh, Saturn in Aquarius is that um, many of the signs, uh, that many of the feminine signs, with, with a few exceptions, have two rulers, an exaltation ruler and a domicile ruler. 
And when we have planets in, in masculine gendered signs, the air and the fire signs, with, with a few exceptions, Aries and, and Libra, I think, are the two exceptions, um, we only have one ruler. So there's more of a, a, I think, a pure expression of that particular planet. So Aquarius is, is pure Saturn energy, where uh, Capricorn may be a combination of Saturn and, and Mars energy, because Mars is the exaltation ruler. And there's all sorts of esoteric things that we can uh, glean from that. Um, but remember, Saturn is that quality of, of uh, exile, of um, being uh, cast out, of being an outsider, of being denied something, uh, being distanced because it's the the uh, the furthest planet from the Earth in the celestial sphere model. So, a lot of interesting things we can unpack when we get to our daily our daily um, report. All right, let's talk about Jupiter. Jupiter is going to be in Capricorn from 28 to 30 degrees. Uh, it it will be in its fall for the beginning of the week, and then it will move in, into Aquarius on the 19th. It is still fast in motion. It will begin the week in, in Capricorn in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. There will be an exact sextile to Venus on the 14th, which is Monday. Uh, before it moves into Aquarius, it will be co-present with its host Saturn and Capricorn, making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, and then sextiling Venus in Scorpio. Uh, it is, of course, co-present with its host Saturn, and it will continue to be co-present with its host with an exception of a few hours, I guess, or, or of one day. We actually have one day when they aren't co-present with one another, but they still have a relationship called lichen girding where they're, um, where the ruler is, is in, where it is in a sign that is ruled by the same planet, which is Saturn. Um, when Jupiter moves into Aquarius, all of the <laughs> Jupiterians will breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief because their, their planetary ruler will have moved out of its depression or its fall and into a place that it's a little bit more comfortable. It's not, it's not its favorite or ideal place, but it is in a place uh, where it is not uh, really, really hampered by, um, by some of the more negative qualities of Saturn. We're still, it, is still, it still has a Saturnian host, so expansion and things of that nature may not be, uh, you know, it, we may not be able to do it in a pure Jupiterian way, but we do gain a little bit of um, ability to, to have some hope, to be able to see what, what lies ahead on the path and the future, and to start building and preparing for the expansion that could happen uh, when we move Jupiter into Pisces, one of its own domiciles. So uh, it's kind of a preparatory phase, I think, for Jupiter. I think it's just the return of some idealism. Jupiter is peregrine in the sign of Aquarius. But it will, it will start off in the terms of Mercury from 0 to 7 degrees. It'll be co-present with its host uh, Saturn in Aquarius as we get towards the end of the week. And it will be making all the similar aspects that Saturn will be. It will be sextile the Sun, Venus, and Mercury in Sagittarius, and then sextiling Mars in Aries. So again, v, Mer, uh, I'm sorry, Jupiter will be lending assistance to Mars. So some of our actions, Mars, may be uh, motivated by some of our, our more idealistic notions, by uh, maybe some good fortune, some abundance, some, some uh, connection to our higher self. I think that we're just starting to climb out of the, the well, so to speak, with Jupiter moving into Aquarius. 
Um, I'll break down some more of the symbolism of that as we go through the week. But another thing to think about is this may bring some good fortune to some of the, the more outcast of society, the exiles of society. Wherever Jupiter is, we're trying to bring um, good things too. We're trying to bring confirmation. Stability is one of the things that Schmidt talks about with Jupiter. So we may be trying to stabilize uh, the, the folks in society that are living on the fringes and on the outs outskirts, maybe the, the poor or the unhealthy or the, um, anybody who has been uh, marginalized. We may be able to bring some sort of abundance back to those, those people in society. And that's a that's going to be a welcome change, I think. That's really where I think we'll see a start to see a move away from uh, some of the dominance of the oligarchy and potentially some some more humanitarian type of uh, systems come into place. Doesn't mean that we'll we'll just be free of the oligarchy or the the ruling uh, class that has all the money, but it's going to be it'll be a, a long haul, I think, to create true equality. But we'll break that down as we get to the daily report. Mars this week is going to be moving from 20 to 23 degrees of Aries. It's in its own domicile and in its own terms from 20 to 25 degrees. It'll make an exact trine to Mercury on Monday the 14th. It is still moving slow in motion as it, as it tries to pick up speed from its retrograde earlier in the year. Um, it is going to be uh, receiving that overcoming square from Saturn at the beginning of the week and Jupiter. But it is make, coming into a sextile relationship with both of those planets, Saturn and Jupiter, when they move into Aquarius. Mars is making a trine to the Sun, Venus, and Mercury in Sagittarius, but then we'll move into a square relationship with Mercury once Mercury moves into Capricorn. So we may have some difficult conversations about how we are wanting to um, lay down new roots and where the best place to build our new foundations are going to be when we see Mercury and Mars start to square. Mars is in its own domicile, so it is its own host this week. Venus this week is shifting signs as well. We're going to start off with uh, Venus in Scorpio, moving from 28 to 30 degrees. I don't even know if I mentioned that in the beginning. There's so much going on this week. Um, it is going to shift signs on the 15th, which is Tuesday. Uh, it starts off the week uh, moving fast in its exile in Scorpio, but having retaining uh, triplicity dignity of the water signs and dignity in the third face of Scorpio. Uh, it is in the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees and will be making an exact sextile to Jupiter and Saturn on the 14th and the 15th, respectively, before it leaves Scorpio and before those planets leave Capricorn. So it's going to be kind of a, a, a time to um, tie up some loose ends in, in relationships and leave some old habits behind. It's really uh, the combination of Scorpio and Capricorn is really composting old structures so that we can move forward to something new. Uh, when Venus is in Scorpio, it'll be sextiling Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn, and its host Mars will be in Aries in an aversion relationship, yet we do have that secret path to providing resources with the like and girding type of relationship. Once Venus moves into Sagittarius on the 15th, it will move from zero to six degrees Sagittarius at the end of the week, still moving fast in motion, but it does lose some of that uh, triplicity and face dignity. 
Now, it, it is peregrine. I will say this, though. I, I do think that Venus might be slightly happier in, in Sagittarius. Uh, I know that a lot of the ancient authors talk about a peregrine planet being like a, a, a bad condition. Um, I don't know. Venus in the domicile of another benefic in Jupiter seems like maybe a happier relationship to me. It will also be in the terms of Jupiter from zero to 12 degrees, co-present with the sun and Mercury in Sag, uh, trining, it will begin a trine with Mars in Aries. That'll be interesting. So now those two planets will be, will be cooperating with one another. Um, there's going to be a sextile from Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius as well. So there's a, a lot more harmonious uh, relationships to Mars in particular. Like, um, and, and so we have a few weeks at the end of the year here before Mars moves into Taurus and then starts squaring Saturn um, to, to kind of get some things done, to grease some wheels before uh, there may be some, some challenges again. <laughs> like, so make, make hay while the sun is shining and while, uh, while we're able to still move forward. I think the last few weeks of the year are a really great time to just take some, some, some leaps out into the unknown before there may be some challenges again at the beginning of the, of the new year. All right. Um, once, once Mercury, I'm sorry, once Venus moves into Sagittarius, it will be an aversion to its host Jupiter and Capricorn, but then in a sextile relationship once Jupiter is into Aquarius. Mercury this week is moving from 19 to 30 degrees of Sagittarius. It's moving very fast in the superior conjunction, the, the Kazemi moment where it's coming in direct motion. Um, it starts to really speed up as it gets close to the, to the sun there. And it will conjoin the fixed star Ras al Haig at 22 degrees Sagittarius, and then the fixed stars Aculeus at 26 degrees of Sagittarius, and then Acumen at 29 Sagittarius. Mercury is in its exile in Sagittarius, but it also will have some dignity by being in its own terms from 17 to 21 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 21 to 26 degrees. And then the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. When Mercury moves really fast, we get a lot of different bound rulers. So that, that is a really interesting uh, thing maybe to track throughout the week, just to see how your conversations go when Mercury is moving through those different bound Lord relationships. Um, Mercury will be trined uh, Mars on the 14th and in conjunction with the sun on the 19th. It'll be co-present with uh, the sun and Venus in Sagittarius trining Mars and Aries and sextiling Saturn and Jupiter and Aquarius. Its host will be Jupiter moving from Capricorn to Aquarius as well. Once Mercury moves into Capricorn, we're, we're going to see it just, just dip into the, the, the zero degrees of, of Capricorn at the end of this week. It will gain rulership uh, by being on its own terms um, from zero to seven degrees of Mercury. Uh, it will begin to come into a square relationship with Mars in Aries. Now there is a, once Mercury moves into Capricorn, it will come into an Antitia with the sun, which is kind of interesting because we go straight from a Kazemi, which is a, a conjunction, an exact conjunction to like this secret conjunction almost immediately after. So there may be a continuing of the conversation between the sun and Mercury in the back channels as we move towards the end of the week. 
The host of Mercury and Capricorn is Saturn and Aquarius, and it will be in an aversion relationship. But we do have the like and girding type of, of uh, ability for Saturn to provide sort of in a back channel way because it rules both Sat uh, Capricorn and Aquarius. The moon this week is waning, uh, begins the week waning for a few hours, and then it, it, it is becomes new again at the very beginning of the week with that new moon solar eclipse. And then it starts waxing to its crescent phase. In Sagittarius, we will have some dignity in the second phase. Uh, the moon will then move into its exile in Capricorn, where it has triplicity dignity of the earth signs at night. In uh, Aquarius, it will have dignity in the third phase, and then it ends the week peregrine in the sign of Pisces. It begins the week very fast in motion, but it will start to slow down as we, as it reaches that lunar apogee there, that black moon Lilith sign that you can see. The closer it gets there, the slower the moon is moving, kind of a little, little hack that we've got. All right, so that is the planetary condition report for the week. Let's move forward to the daily report. So much ground to cover. I was, it's a Friday, uh, the 11th that I'm recording this, kind of later, closer to dinner time. So hopefully the snacks that I ate will sustain me through this forecast. <laughs> but I just had so much research to do this week and uh, there was a lot of stuff to, to look at with, um, you know, two, two slow moving planets changing signs and really just trying to, to wrap my head around the, that kind of change and the great conjunction that's coming up. Um, just a lot of thinking, a lot of meditating. All right. So this is Monday, December the 14th. And on Monday, December the 14th, the moon is going to start off in Sagittarius. Uh, and we're going to be experiencing our new moon solar eclipse at 11.16 a.m. Uh, before that happens, we have a square to Neptune at 3.14 a.m. Eastern time, a conjunction with Mercury at 5.41 a.m., and then a trine to Mars at 7.13 in the morning at 20 degrees of Sagittarius and Aries, respectively. Then we have our, our conjunction with the sun. Um, we are also seeing... Uh, this particular new moon solar eclipse is going to be conjoining the fixed star Ross Al Haig around 22, 23 degrees of Sagittarius, which was associated with Ophiuchus or Asclepius the healer. So this has been something where we're going to begin our healing process, whether it's through vaccines or FDA approval of some kind of vaccine or through healing just the divide that, that we have in our nation right now. Uh, after uh, a, a very difficult four years and, and potentially um, the start of, a, of something new, a new era. Uh, we do have the Electoral College coming together to cast their votes for the states, for the new president. And um, yeah, it's just really, it's interesting to see all this happening. Um, this new moon solar eclipse is going to be conjoining uh, or pretty, pretty close to Mercury. Mercury is going to be co-present. There's going to be a trine to Mars. And the sun is going to be very close to the south node or K2. And that's where a lot of energy is going out. So this is kind of one of the really interesting things of this particular eclipse is that uh, it's a new beginning, right? New moon eclipses are, are new, like new chapter markers for, for like a new six month chapter marker, a new like 
I, I believe these these same degrees repeat every 18 years or so. There's like meta cycles for these eclipses. Uh, but it's interesting that this one is falling on a south node. So this may be the beginning of like letting go of something too, uh, especially because both of the lights are going to be conjoining this. Uh, since the sun is very close and Mercury is very close, this could be the letting go of, of some old belief system, letting go of the old king, or, the, or really even the need to like have a king, I guess you could say. Um, the new era, it seems to be, seems to me in my very idealistic, hopeful version of it, it may be a more egalitarian society that is less, uh, less enamored with kingship or with rulership and maybe gives more of that power to the people or to the masses uh, trying to create equality. Uh, and th that may necessitate letting go of this old system of giving an enormous amount of power to one person. And I think that, you know, a person like Donald Trump may be the, an interesting case study in almost the last gasp of that sort of like king, king type of relationship. And, and in my opinion, he was a corrupt king. And uh, maybe we needed to, I don't know, I don't know what the, what everything means as far as the great cosmic dance goes, but maybe we needed to have something like that to, to really move forward from it and to, to reject it, I guess, on some level. So another thing that's going on with this eclipse here is uh, we're seeing that Mercury, before it moves into the third decan of Sagittarius, is going to conjoin the south node too. So this may be actually some difficulty with the mercurial process this on this day also. Um, this could lead to difficulty speaking, uh, breakdowns in communications, maybe some irrational thinking. Uh, I hope that everything goes okay with the, uh, with the electoral college vote. I could see maybe some, um, some weird things coming up with that too, with Mercury conjoining the south node. Uh, just some difficulty for getting things moving in the right direction. I don't know if there will be any dissenters. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of talk about uh, lately in the news, um, Texas bringing some kind of lawsuit. I believe there's been over 50 lawsuits that have been rejected by courts around the nation. So I'm not super worried about that. Uh, but I think that what I am worried about is that there was at least 100 uh, House of Representative Republicans that uh, came out in support of this lawsuit in Texas. I mean, that's uh, how many is there? Like maybe like 400 something representatives, but that was almost half of the the uh, the congressional Republicans in the in the House that are supporting basically what amounts to an attempted coup. I think, and and you know, here's the thing: there's there is uh, a narrative that is being very divided right now by both sides of this uh, of this equation. All of Donald Trump and his supporters are saying that the attempted coup is the Democrats, you know, and that they're trying to steal this election by all the, you know, the corrupt, you know, processes with the election. And the uh, Democrats are saying, no, Donald Trump is trying to attempt a coup by all of the uh, lawsuits and all of the you know, encouraging people to, to you know, not count legally cast votes. Um, 
only one of those things is a coup like, or an attempt at that. And uh, when you do have uh, people and the American public casting their votes in the way that they have uh, for, in, in the way that the system has worked for many, many hundreds of years now, um, I guess I'll let you be the judge of that. I, and I guess if I'm going to be clear about it, uh, the, the attempt of trying to dismantle d democracy is, is definitely coming from the Republicans and Donald Trump and the people that are uh, trying to corrupt the natural order of our democracy. Um, I mean, that's just the reality of it. I, I, I know that there's going to be people, some people out there that disagree with me on that, and they have their own uh, quote unquote facts or, or their own truths or things like that. But um, this is a weird time we're in, a very weird time, a very divided time. I, I don't mean to be adding to the divisiveness of that. Uh, I just think that the astrology is playing out some really interesting stuff. I know that I'm not uh, completely unbiased with my opinion. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if I even need to apologize for that. I'm just a human being that's filtering all of this through um, my own consciousness. But uh, I do think that there is some real interesting things seeing the the sun conjoining the south node and mercury conjoining the south node. So I do expect there will be a little bit of um there'll be some fireworks, I think, uh with with this particular vote. I think there's going to be some people that are very upset. Uh either way, whatever happens if uh the vote goes through, which I like I said, I have a you know, a 90% I feel pretty good about that vote going through. Um, although it's 2020 and, and I, sometimes there's things that just come up that I'm not, I don't know. I haven't been able to exactly predict because uh, I'm not a God, <laughs> like I'm just a person. And, uh, but I think that if something does go a little wackadoodle with the vote, that's going to make a lot of people upset that, that cast legal votes. Um, and there's going to be, I think there's going to be anger either way. The first aspect that this uh, eclipse makes after it separates from the bond, after the moon separates from 15 degrees of being in conjunction with the sun, is a trine to Mars. So I just think people are going to be fired up either way. There's just going to be uh, some rhetoric or some something of that nature. People are going to complain no matter what happens is what I think is, is in the cards. And I think if you're... Um, trying to maintain your own peace and equilibrium, I think you have to kind of, uh, I don't know, I, the way that, that I've seen a lot of really uh, mature people handle this is sometimes you let people just bluster on about what they're going to bluster on about, and you just keep uh, going about your business. I think this is part of the thing that we're thinking about with the humility part of this. The humility part of it is we don't have to pay attention to all the the loud uh, whining or voices or temper tantrums or or things of that nature you just go about your business like when the vote goes through uh then there's work to do you know there's work to do appointing new members of government there's work to do holding those people accountable if you're trying to to uh speak towards a new more equitable future for everyone uh and if in your own personal life uh there may be an action that you want to take after this eclipse, a new start in the Sagittarian area of your life that also may feel like a letting go of something as well. Um, you know, sometimes beginnings can be the beginning of, of releasing things. 
And, you know, K2 was the severed body of a great celestial dragon that is processing old things. So we may be just processing some of this old stuff. And uh, yeah, and so one of the things that you can do is just go about your business with humility. Keep, keep, your, keep your nose to the grindstone. Keep, keep uh, trying to move yourself forward to the new paradigm, the new shift, the, the new project that you've been working on. I know a lot of people have been crafting new identities and new projects to move forward in this, this new reality that we've been living in. Uh, myself included, you know, just trying to do more things with astrology and make it a sustainable focus of my practice and, and make it something I can uh, support my, myself and my family with. Um, I thank all of you that have, have donated and supporting the work that I do here too. I know I don't have like a, a Patreon or a Kickstarter type model yet, uh, but that's one of the projects I'm working on. So if you do like my work and you want to support it, uh, I do have a PayPal me link and a Venmo link in the videos here. Uh, just ring the bell for that one time in the middle. That is the way you can financially support my work. If you, you're basically buying me extra time uh, to do this work in the future. That's, that's really what, how I use money. And I use money as, as time uh, so that I can be free to pursue some of these uh, educational types of things and share it with you without, I don't really enjoy the concept of a paywall. So I, I, I like to keep uh, access free to, to, to most of my, or to, to everybody. Um, and we'll see how that's going to work out moving forward, because I do think that I may be pursuing a Patreon thing as we move into the, the new year. But anyway, enough about that. <laughs> like, it's just an example of a new project that maybe uh, that you like a project that you may be working on as well, something like that, where you're trying to, to move forward in this new, I don't know, post COVID reality that hopefully we're moving towards. All right, I do want to show you uh, the um, star chart of this because I think it's really cool. So here is the exact moment of the eclipse here in my location around Ann Arbor, Michigan. You could see that on the ecliptic, the moon is blocking out the light of the sun. It's a very, you know, if we actually look up at the sky, it's a very literal kind of conjunction. You can see that they're uh, from our, our viewpoint on the earth, uh, they are almost exactly the same size. I think that's a really cool esoteric type of thing too. They have kind of this almost like they were the king and the queen or, or kind of co-rulers of the sky. Uh, they had a very special relationship and you can see that when they come together here. Now, one of the things that uh, has come up in eclipses in the past um, when I was studying more modern interpretations of an eclipse was it was almost like the light of the one of the two bodies was being shut off and the other was being almost empowered. So in this case, we're shutting off the rational faculties of the, the sun and the moon's kind of almost irrational, instinctual nature might be empowered. So I would, I would um, encourage you maybe to be careful about losing your sense of rationality at this uh, eclipse, uh, that you don't let your, your emotions get the best of you uh, and kind of try to take your time and, and try to stay connected to some kind of objective reality as we move through the eclipse season. Um, I like to do rituals at the eclipse, but they're not um, a traditional magical ritual that you'd consider like charging up a, a crystal or something like that, or like propitiating um, the moon or the sun. I do um, some rituals that are suggested by 
the folks at Sphere and Sundry, the Capics, Caitlin Capic in particular, um, do a Rahu and a Ketu ritual where we will do like a salt bath, like a sea salt bath, so that some of the energy of the eclipse doesn't necessarily stick to you. Eclipses were said to be kind of malefic events in, in Vedic astrology and traditional astrology. They weren't nice things. They were, you know, the light was being shut off and the light are the things that give us vitality and give us, uh, you know, growth and the ability to sustain life. And it was kind of scary when this happened in, in, the, in ancient times. Um, so don't go out and stare at it. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a mistake. Um, you know, take a salt bath so that salt it will, can uh, help you to have this energy not stick to you. And then you make an offering to um, K2. And I like to offer like black things, black rice, black salt. And there's articles on this on Sphere and Sundry's, Sundry's web, website, which she goes into really great detail about what you can do. And I, I highly recommend her work. She's um, really articulate when it comes to these things. So, yeah, I don't schedule a bunch of things on eclipses either. I just try to lay low. Uh, I kind of close the blinds and, and shut everything down for the day and, and uh, you know, really go into some deep contemplation. Once, once we come out of it, you know, that may be something that you can start taking some action. But on the day itself, we're just kind of trying to ask uh, K2 to be gentle and to not necessarily remove anything that is, is necessary for us only to remove that which is necessary. So that's one of the things that you can do when you propitiate a, a deity or a demon like K2 is say only remove that which, which is no longer serving my, my uh, journey towards connecting with spirit. Uh, that's one of the things that with the South Node, the, the Eastern culture had more of a, uh, had a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Had a had a brighter viewpoint, not a brighter viewpoint. Had a had a less. They thought of the South Node as being a little bit more positive than the uh, than the North Node, because the North Node was about desire. It was the severed head that was constantly pursuing the elixir of immortality, and it was never satisfied. So the the South Node, by being of the nature of of Mars, the North Node being the nature of Saturn, being bound to something, when we're severed from something, if we're severed from desire that can uh, allow us to pursue a spiritual path. So this eclipse may be about pursuing our spirituality as well. And, and when we're removed from certain things in our life that aren't, excuse me, that aren't good for us, we may be able to, to uh, see spirit a little more clearly. All right, so there's a couple other things that are happening on this particular day. Going back to the chart, if I move forward just a few hours, uh, we're going to see Mercury dipping into the third decan of Sagittarius. And that, that decan is a Saturn-ruled decan in the Chaldean order and uh, solar-ruled in the triplicity system associated with the Ten of Wands. So we have the sun in this decan already, but now Mercury is moving into it. And this one is associated with kind of, like I said, the, the last, last push to get something towards uh, completion. It's the, the, the time in the, of the year that's related to the relationship of light and dark. So this is the time where the darkness is still increasing and the, the sun is still lowering in the sky. And it's the last push before the sun's light starts to increase and the return of that solar hope, okay? So there may be some uh, things where we're discussing 
uh, some really solemn things where we're discussing, all right, this is the end of the journey, and we may be questioning, how are we going to get to the finish line? How are we going to make that final push to, to, to restore the light? Um, there may be some uncertainty where we are, there's maybe some destabilization of our, of our will or of our, uh, our, of our faith. Um, but I think that the key is, is to try to maintain that faith. I think that between December 14th and January 20th, there's probably going to be uh, some uh, destabilization and people trying to call into question all of the, the democratic process and things of that nature. We've already seen that from election night till now. Um, I've, I've largely tried to ignore it because I know that there's not a whole lot that I can do about all that. And if I let all the noise uh, just you know, get me all worried and everything, I think that that can, you know, disturb your own inner equilibrium. So I think for the good of your own mental sanity, um, be very judicious about what you let into your consciousness, what, what type of news you let in. Yes, it is important to stay informed, but there's got to be a way to get us to this, this finish line and get, get folks to the, the new administration and the new, uh, the new hope. You know, I think as far as those of us that are, uh, have a more liberal um, outlook on things are, are really looking forward to. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. I, I think that it's very important to stay grounded and to stay humble. Um, I think that my suggestion with all of this is uh, humility comes from, you know, just going about your business and, and simplifying your life. That doesn't mean to gloat about things and to rub other people's faces in or anything like that. I mean, I'm, you know, you can celebrate maybe the release of someone like Donald Trump who's caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. But I think that there's, unfortunately, there's 50% of this country that, that disagrees with, with what the job that he did and, and, and uh, still is supporting him, you know? And um, I don't know if that the, the actual number is that high. Uh, you know, those are the people that voted. Um, there may be more people that didn't that, do or don't support him, but just recognize that, that uh, the increase of hope for, for one group of people is also a, uh, a feeling of defeat for another group of people, whether it's rooted in illusion or not, that, that's the way that people are feeling. So in, in that regard, um, I would say that just having grace when, when dealing with people, I, I hope will lead to... Um, more peace. We may not be able to, to prevent all the, the, the violence, I guess, or, or all of the discontent. Um, but I do think that we can at least uh, carry ourselves in a mature fashion and in a way that we would want to be treated, uh, you know, in, in any case. And, I, and to me, I, I, I always have believed in good sportsmanship. I, I played many sports as a, as a youth growing up. And I always had a lot of respect for my opponent in, in victory or in loss. And I think that's really important moving forward. That's part of the integrity that that hexagram number 15 is talking about us maintaining as we move forward in this new era. All right. One last thing that is happening on Monday, the 14th, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Ptolemon at 29 degrees of Scorpio. Now, this is the right foot of the centaur. 
Okay, so you can see here we're getting close towards the, the right foot of the centaur. And if I show you the horizon here, if I remove the horizon, we're going to see that here's Venus. And Venus is by projected ecliptical degree very close to uh, Rigel Cantaris, which is the, I believe, the also known as Ptolemon. So this is the alpha star, I think, in uh, Chiron or the centaur. And this may be, you know, there's a lot of stories with Chiron about he was a teacher, he was a musician, um, he was somebody who was a healer, but he couldn't heal. He, he sustained a wound from uh, one of Hercules' arrows, like poisoned arrows, and he was immortal, so he couldn't, he couldn't die. So he had to live with this wound for a long time, and I believe eventually the Olympians had uh, mercy on him and, and let him ascend to the sky as a as a constellation that you see here, but there may be some kind of wound that we sustain with, with Venus on this position that is difficult to heal. Um, the Egyptians associated this fixed star with Serket, which they said, there's a quote that goes along with that says, she who causes the throat to breathe. Now Serket was a, a goddess that had a scorpion crown. So there's some associations with maybe a, a sting, which is, is kind of echoed in the, the, um, the Chiron myth. Um, it's also, I believe uh, there is a, a, a little bug called the water scorpion that kind of, when it moves, it looks like it's breathing. So th this could be some of the significations that's coming along with this as well. So we may be attempting to heal through educating one another, through challenging societal's, society's values. Um, there may be some kind of social wound that we're sustaining in this process too. And that, you know, that's that seems to be understandable, can, uh, you know, seeing what's going to be happening the importance of this day is like i said there are some people that feel like they are they're wounded right now whether they are justified or not um i don't know i i i'm not sure how to to speak to that divide right now it's a very difficult topic to broach because there i think there are literally two different realities that people are living in right now and that, that's really really difficult and i i have my reality and my my truth that I'm living and it happens to be rooted in more of a you know Joe Biden was elected the president of the United States this is what happened this was the democratic process I believe that uh, COVID-19 is a real thing and has killed many people and caused pain to a lot of folks I believe that masks work uh, I, I believe that social distancing is important I believe that people should take the vaccine uh, so if you want to know where I stand on all those things, there it is. But that's my reality. And unfortunately, that is not the reality for everyone right now. As some of you have, have very explicitly pointed out uh, on the comments on my channel. Um, and I, you know, I appreciate you taking the caps lock button off at those of you who have started to learn. I, I promise I'm going to teach some grammar by the end of this process. I had a, the first comment I got was all caps. The last one I got was about an eight paragraph one with only certain words capitalized. Hopefully the next one, if you're, if you plan on making a, a, a you know, some kind of impassioned argument on my channel, how about breaking it into paragraphs next time? <laughs> so you'll make the, the English degree, the English teacher be very happy. And I, and I apologize for mocking, but I do think some of it's kind of ridiculous and the fact that we have to live in this 
uh, this completely different reality where, where truth is up in the air. That's something that's just, it's really difficult for me to wrap my head around that as we move into these, this new era of air signs or air conjunctions in Jupiter and Saturn, that's, I really think that that's going to be one of the challenges moving forward is how do we find truth? Um, I think that it is sometimes challenging uh, to really discern fact from fiction. And, and I, I do sympathize and empathize with some of you who have some distrust of, of the powers that be uh, trying to speak to what is the actual truth. It, it's it's kind of hard to figure it out sometimes. I, I it, it does take uh, some objectivity. Again, what I will suggest is a website called allsides.com, which presents uh, news stories in the most, I think, the most objective way that they possibly can. They share different articles from the, the left, the right, the center. So you can read how uh, an event is being um, reported from all these different perspectives. And hopefully that will allow you to, to make your own decision on what, what the reality of that is. Again, as I stated last week, uh, I do think it's very important that we don't lose touch with some of our practical common sense type of things as we move forward. I will also say that as we move forward into the air era, we, we really need to take into account that our actions affect other people. I really think that's the greatest lesson of the conjunctions and air signs is rec the recognition that what we do and the choices that we make in our own life, in our own cities, in our own states, in our own countries, in our own uh, habits, they do have an effect on other people in other parts of the world, in other parts of our community. And we are not just these little islands anymore. We never were. It's just, this is just, I think the awareness of this will be really important moving forward. And this, I'll tell you a story. This, is, this was really presented to me very emphatically when uh, earlier this year, when half of California was on fire, or half of the west, the entire west coast was on fire. That the smoke from those fires was making the sun in Michigan, where I live. You know, it was blocking out the sun. That 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 smoke was was completely changing my reality here in Michigan. And that was that really hit home for me. That you know, I I I've always appreciated that my actions have effects on other people, but getting such a visual reminder of that was really powerful. And it's the same thing with masks and with COVID and all of those things. Your actions have an effect on other people and your individual quote unquote rights should not be at the expense of someone else's safety or health. And I, re I feel really strongly about that. And no amount of YouTube conspiracy theories is going to convince me otherwise. So don't even bother, I guess, is what I'll tell you at this point. So if you're going to post another comment on my video, don't bother, okay? Because common sense was going to tell me otherwise. So anyway, moving on from that impassioned plea. I'm sorry, I just get pissed off about this. It's, it's really, it's really I, and I apologize for all of you who aren't, like, you know, making... Uh, completely off the wall and saying comments. <laughs> like, but, and, and thank you for those of you who are doing the right thing for your community. I'll flip the switch here and say, those of you who have social distanced this year, those of you who have worn your mask, those of you who have sacrificed 
for your communities, oh my God, thank you so much for doing the right thing for your community. It is a, the ultimate act of humility for you to be doing those things. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of wisdom to, and discipline to be able to do that. And we've all been asked a great deal in this year to be disciplined, to act in, to, to forego some of our individual desires for the good of the whole, and to be able to give up some of the traditions that we've been attached to or that we've, we've experienced and that we've enjoyed for many years. I do think some of those traditions can come back. We're going to see our families again, but you know, we're going to have to work together you know, to move forward and to return to some of those things that we really took for granted in the past. And for those of you that have been advocating and doing what I consider to be the right thing, thank you so much for doing that. I just want to say that, and you should be recognized for that, you know, and instead of just denouncing all the other people that aren't doing the right thing, sometimes we really have to acknowledge when we've done the good work. And I know a lot of you out there have, and I know a lot of you out there have really struggled and have really uh, had some difficult times doing that. But my goodness, what growth that we are going through as a community, learning how to respect one another and learning how to give up some of what we feel we're entitled to for the sake of our brothers and sisters and for our community. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that gives me hope that there are people out there that will do that. And I hope that if you uh, are not doing that, that this will inspire you, that there is still time to, to make a change and to make a shift and to humble yourself like Hercules on one knee, like the kneeler, and to come from the path of hubris to the path of humility. There is still opportunity for that. All right. One last thing that's happening on Monday the 14th. Mercury is going to be making a trine to Mars. Okay. So this is part of our eclipse story as well. We've got a, a very close, well, we have an exact conjunction. I'm sorry, an exact trine from Mercury to Mars. So we probably are going to be, uh, did I already talk about this? I can't even tell anymore. Um, there may be some, some, some violent words exchanged. There may, we may get really fired up. Uh, it may be just like the speech, the impassioned speech that I just gave. One of the things that I was looking uh, at with this is that um, we may be really talking seriously about how to get to the finish line, but also trying to win over a hostile audience. Okay, so th this, this third decan of Mars in, in Aries is about, it's a Venus rule decan, about using our charisma to win over uh, somebody that may, we may disagree with. So I, be, I believe there will probably be some, some definite uh, impassioned, uh, fiery conversations that happen on Monday. Just, I guess, uh, at the end of the day, uh, try, to, try to tap into your higher self. And what does that mean? Higher self is, you know, being humble, being somebody willing to learn, be willing to, to listen within reason, within, you know, within like, like I said, keep, keep the conspiracy theories to yourself at this point. 
I don't, I don't, I don't want them here. <laughs> like, but you know, try to, uh, you know, be kind to one another and acknowledge the people in your life that have been doing that hard work. All right. We do see a uh, Venus Jupiter sextile that's happening at 3:58 p.m. as well, um, and this may be something where we're, you know, assisted in in letting go of some of those old belief systems, those old temptations, those old desires, some of the old uh, hierarchical systems as well. Maybe seeing kind of the, uh, I don't know, maybe a crumbling, and and we're moving forward towards something new. All right, let's move forward to Tuesday, December the 15th. Can you tell that Mercury is in Sagittarius as I'm recording this? Yes, <laughs> that's, my, that's, my, that's my noise to Mercury in Sagittarius. Uh, it, is, um, it is very difficult to not get into a really impassioned, opinionated way of communicating. And uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It's, it's like you're, you have like the, um, I don't know, the zealous nature of a, of a preacher, right? You can just feel it like, like channeling through you. It's very difficult to like get to uh, a place where it's difficult to see both sides of things with Mercury and Sagittarius. And I guess I'm just reflecting on this in the moment as I'm experiencing it and trying to, to speak, it, you can just feel that, that intensity, uh, that, that kind of uh, religious fervor coming through uh, for whatever your particular belief system happens to be. And uh, it's just interesting to see it in real time and to have some awareness of it. And I guess that's the other thing I would encourage you to do is step outside of yourself and observe how you're, how you are experiencing it and what, what types of actions that may be motivating you to do. Because we, it, once we start to recognize those things in real time, we can choose to either follow that instinct or to make a different choice. All right, let's talk about Tuesday, December the 15th. On Tuesday, December the 15th, the moon starts out in Capricorn. It's that new moon phase. Uh, the moon will escape the bond around 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time at 9 degrees of Capricorn. And the first aspect that it'll make, and it won't make this aspect till Wednesday the 16th, but it'll make a square to Mars in Aries. So again, there's probably going to be some, some difficult conversations, some difficulty, some potentially people getting riled up at the beginning of the week because of the actions of the beginning of the week. Um, the moon will make a trine to a retrograde Uranus at 1022 AM at seven degrees of Capricorn and uh, Taurus, respectively. Venus will be sextiling uh, Saturn at eight o'clock in the morning. So this may be the kind of the last gasp of trying to release some old habits in the relationship. We may need to really think soberly about how we are relating to one another. A final release of old habits and illusions that, that maybe uh, we got to a recognition of with the, with the sextile to, from Venus to Jupiter the day before. Um, we may be able to overcome some kind of relational challenge that we've been experiencing. Uh, Venus is going to be conjoining Ptolemon. So we could be restoring balance after sustaining some kind of wound, like, like Chiron sustaining that wound in, in the, the, uh, to his foot. And taking responsibility for our actions to restore peace. That could be something that we're seeing with this sextile with Venus in, in 
uh, and Saturn, respectively. Now, Venus is going to change signs at 11.22 a.m. So we have an ingress of Venus into Sagittarius, which I think may be a relief for a lot of people. It's just going to continue this stack up in Sagittarius, but maybe bring a little bit of grace to the, uh, to the table. Um, this is the first decan. Uh, the face rulers are Mercury and Jupiter, and we see the eight of wands uh, represented by this face where the eight wands are are moving in in with great haste towards their target. Uh, Book T calls it, and Book Toth uh, calls it swiftness. And the diamond in spirit is called Loimos. And Loimos was like the spirit of uh, plague. <laughs> so it was kind of like a infectious enthusiasm, I guess, is one of the things that we can see associated with this particular area of the zodiac. Austin Coppett calls it the poisoned arrow. He talks a lot about having a goal to move towards so that you don't become a, like a host for other people's goals or other people's visions. Um, there are short-lived short -lived passions could be some of the things we experience with Venus in Sagittarius 1, contagious enthusiasm, attracting people by sharing our optimism. Uh, Venus is, of course, leaving its exile, so that could be an improvement. It moves into the house of Zeus or the, or the house of a benefic. So it, it is being provided for by a benefic planet rather than a malefic, um, which could lead to having some more good fortune coming our way. Uh, we could be attracting some kind of sacred quest or glamorizing uh, a great journey. So that, that could be the type of aesthetic that we're, we're uh, receiving at this point where we're attracted to epic adventures um, some kind of satirical humor as well could be another manifestation of this. All right. Um, I had another thought that I was trying to think about. Oh, as I was talking before about like, you know, vaccines and things like that, just to push the button, <laughs> push the nerve one more time. I understand a lot of hesitation with some folks uh, that have historically been repressed by, uh, you know, negative experiments with, with vaccines, I would not blame anyone in like a marginalized communities uh, that would be hesitant to take a vaccine right away before proper testing has been done or things of that nature. I know that I'm probably not going to be like rushing right out to, to get it right away. I'd like to see like some of the, you know, how it's working first before I do that. But I, I definitely think that as a family, we're going to be getting it so that people can move forward. Um, but I understand some of the hesitation, and I understand that there have been some challenges with medicines in the past and, and some distrust that happens between marginalized groups and, uh, you know, establishment uh, type of things, medical establishment and things of that nature. Um, and I don't have a great solution for you. I just know that, that over the course of history, there have been many... Uh, very deadly diseases that have been almost wiped up off the face of the earth because of uh, things like vaccinations and, and being um, distributed through humanity and things of that nature. Um, polio used to be a thing that killed people, and, and it's basically non-existent now because of early childhood vaccinations. And yes, I know some of you will disagree with me on that, but moving forward. Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star uh, Ross L. Haig on the at 22 degrees of Sagittarius uh, on this day as well. And this, this is one that is associated with Asclepius the healer. 
Um, so Asclepius was that ship surgeon of the Argo that learned the healing arts from Chiron. So a tie-in with, with Chiron here. Um, and he became so skilled at healing his patients that and bringing them back from the dead that he was smote by the gods he, because they feared his power. And they were like, you know, only, uh, only we should be able to have that power of life and death. So there may be some themes of communicating or investigating new healing methods. We may be calling the medical treatment into question. Okay, so this could be like where people have some hesitation or have some doubt. I think doubt is a quality associated with mercury. There may be some doubt of the, the maybe the new vaccine or something like that. We may be learning some new healing skills, or there may be some news regarding or some messages regarding healthcare or new healing methods. So that's something to think about as we move forward into Tuesday as Mercury will be bringing this to the forefront of our mind as well. I know that there's been a lot of things in the news about potential uh, FDA approval of some of these new medicines. So again, there's going to be people that are um, making arguments for and against it, and we'll see how that will all play out. All right, let's move forward to Wednesday the 16th. Thanks for sticking with me. You know, I apologize for the, if I'm being too subjective in my opinion, but blame Mercury and Sagittarius today. <laughs> um, on Wednesday, December the 16th, the moon is going to start off in Capricorn. We will be continuing the new moon phase. We're going to see a sextile between the moon and Neptune at 5.11 a.m. at 18 degrees of Capricorn and Pisces, respectively. Um, then we're going to see a square between the moon and Mars at 10.32 a.m. That's the first non, uh, that's the first traditional planet that uh, the moon makes an aspect to after the eclipse. And generally, they, they, the ancient authors talked about the kind of the how the eclipse is going to play out by the first aspect that it makes. So this, this one, unfortunately, uh, speaks to some, some violence, some, uh, you know, some disagreement about how to move forward. Uh, with the moon in the third decan of Capricorn, this may be administrative power trying to win over uh, an, a hostile audience. So maybe there's messages from the people in power trying to either soothe the people that are upset by Biden becoming president or from, you know, Trump trying to rile his base up again to like reject the results. I, I, I think that that is probably a foregone conclusion either way. So that may be what we're experiencing on Wednesday as people start to process what is, what is happening moving forward. At the end of the day, the moon will make a conjunction to Pluto at 2.32 p.m. at 23 degrees of Capricorn. So that's really all that's going on on Wednesday, the 16th. Let's move forward to Thursday. Again, we're moving into the unknown here. We have that fool card informing us this week. And uh, I think, again, we just have to kind of be humble, you know, try our best to just, you know, uh, be functional within our lives, be kind to one another. Kindness can go a long way. I think it can go a long way. Thursday is going to be a big day, though. Um, Thursday, hold on, get my chart. On Thursday, December the 17th, uh, the moon is going to move from Capricorn into Aquarius at 1.26 a.m., and we're going to move from our new moon and begin our crescent phase. Now, I'll talk about the lunar aspects, but today we're seeing Saturn shifting signs, a really big deal. So I'm going to spend some time on Saturn and Aquarius 
uh, for Thursday the 17th. Let's see how we're doing on time here. I know it's going to be a long one because there's a lot of things to get to. Uh, the moon is going to conjoin Jupiter at 1234 a.m. Uh, at 29 degrees of Capricorn. And then once it moves into Aquarius, it'll have a conjunction, an immediate conjunction with Saturn at roughly zero degrees of Aquarius at 1.27 a.m. Uh, and then the moon will sextile Venus at 5.15 a.m. and then make a square to Uranus at 1.50 p.m. So the big news of the day, the big stuff that's happening is Saturn is moving into Aquarius. And you can see that this is happening right here. Now, this is the, um, the diurnal home of Saturn. It, is, it has sort of a pure expression of Saturn. Uh, remember, I talked about in the planetary condition report that, that many of the feminine domiciles have two rulers. Um, like So, for example, Capricorn has a domicile ruler of Saturn, but it has an exaltation lord of Mars. So it could be seen as having sort of a dual nature. But when Saturn moves into Aquarius, the nature, I would say the nature of Aquarius is very Saturnian, a pure kind of uh, experience of, of this Saturn nature. Um, the face rulers for this one are, are Venus and Saturn. And the tarot is the five of swords, which Book T and Book of Toth called defeat. And this is where we see a figure collecting resources or collecting the swords after a battle and the other two figures moving away in some sort of defeat. You can, there's a little bit of smugness on the, the face of the figure. Um, I will say that this, this card reminds me of uh, maybe what happens after the elect electoral college votes, and there is going to be some people that feel defeated. And I think that the key with this one is not, not gloating or not like feeling superior to, to someone and just kind of... Um, allowing some compassion for maybe some people that have really been uh, victimized, I think, by uh, someone like, uh, by a, uh, a very abusive leader like Donald Trump. I, I really do see the people that are following him right now as, as being victimized by him. He, we've gone through uh, some of the most extended period of gaslighting that I think we've ever experienced as a country. Gaslighting being having your, your truth being called into question. And that is really difficult. When, and, and this is something that's very uh, common with people who are, have something like a narcissistic personality disorder, which I think that a lot of people uh, think that Donald Trump probably has something of that nature. And one of the things, one of the, the uh, types of... Um, things that they do to, to gain power over other people is to try to distort the reality. And we've seen this with, with his, he's a pathological liar. He's somebody that, that, that believes his own lies and then will try to uh, convince everyone else of that lie. And it's, it's um, a damaging, damaging thing. And I think that you have a lot of people, I think, first of all, there's a lot of uh, prejudices and a lot of deep-seated beliefs in this country that we need to root out and start to, to heal. I think a lot of people have been really misguided about what privilege is and, and what freedom is and what that means about creating a society and working together in an equitable way with one another. That's uh, difficult. There's a lot of racism in this country. There's a lot of wealth inequality in this country. And a lot of those 
old belief systems need to be rooted out. And I think that Donald Trump played that role in exposing a lot of that to the light of day. I will also say that there's probably some people that have really were decent people that have just really been gaslit into a belief system that is um, really damaging and really, really hurtful to a lot of people. And I think that, I think there needs to be space. I think we need to leave space for those people to kind of come to their senses and without bludgeoning them towards that. I think that there will have to be a return to sanity, um, a return to truth and to social, I guess some, some kind of social order if we're going to move forward as a country and have a, a functional society. We won't be able to have a functional society if, if two sides are constantly battling with one another and living completely subjective truths that aren't, uh, that don't have any common ground. And so I think that leaving space and being a, um, a graceful victor is going to be key to bringing us back to a point where we can actually move forward with some of the maybe more uh, equitable and progressive type of um, things that, that a lot of us want to see happen in this country. Now, Saturn. Saturn is the uh, furthest sphere, uh, furthest planetary sphere in the geocosmic or ge geocentric celestial sphere model that a lot of traditional astrology is based on. So it has some associations with objectivity, with hovering above the world and being able to see everything happening, being able to, to gain an objective perspective. Um, it is gaining triplicity by day. So there is more communal. We may, as a community, we may have to embrace Saturn more than, than when it was just in Capricorn. And we actually saw this when Saturn dipped into Aquarius uh, in the beginning of the year. We got a little preview of this. When Saturn dipped into Aquarius, we had stuff like community lockdowns. We had some of the, the Black Lives Matter protests were starting to really pick up steam. So people were coming together. Both There were two sides of that coin. One was we were, we were forced into exile, not forced, but we, many of us chose to go into exile, forced, I guess, by circumstance, but choosing to keep each other safe, okay? And it, was, it had to be a community effort, all right? And, and also people coming together to try to restore balance and justice to a society after like the George Floyd murders and the, all of the protests that went along with that. Now, this, the, these themes are probably going to return. There will probably be more, um, uh, I would say, more severe uh, lockdowns to come as we move forward with, with Saturn moving into Aquarius again, which will be necessary to really move forward from this. That combined with the vaccination type of thing is probably the way out of this pandemic. So expect that to come. Uh, we're probably going to see a reigniting of, of some of the social justice movements, but this time there may actually be something, some, some good that comes out of it 
uh, with Jupiter following suit and conjoining with Saturn, there is some hope that there may be actual change that could come from some of that. So we may see, like we saw the initial uh, discontent. Okay, discontent is a, a theme of Aquarius. I think where we are, a lot of, you know, you can think of Saturn as rejecting things. All right, Saturn is is saying no, not this, where the, it's opposite. The sun is saying, yes, I select this. Sa Saturn says, no, I am not this. So we may see a, a lot of people rejecting certain societal norms, certain things that we've taken for granted. Okay. Um, Austin Coppett calls this decan the mark of exile. And there's a story in the tarot with this, the first decan where he, he, he talks about this in his book, 36 Faces. In the first decan, we're exiled to the frontier. Think of Saturn as a boundary. And you can either be inside the boundary or outside of it. In Capricorn, we're sort of building the wall, okay? And everybody's inside of it. So all the themes of like, let's build the wall, blah, 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 all this for the last few years. And we have the people that are inside of it. Now there will be a focus on who is outside of that wall, who is outside of the norm, who is not being served by being uh, selected, okay? And in the second decade, we, we have like the six of swords where you see a, a, a boat crossing a river where we're being ferried between the known and the unknown. And then finally, in the third decade, you see a figure absconding away from a campsite looking back over his shoulder, carrying swords, like sneaking out, like leaving the known completely. So we have this kind of transition period that we are experiencing with Aquarius and with uh, Saturn moving into this particular sign. This is a transition of a return of the light. So in uh, ancient times, before procession separated the zodiac and the constellations, the fixed signs, Aquarius, uh, Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio, were associated with the, the equinoxes and the solstices. And they were said to be the stakes that held the sky together. And they happened at, at these really important turning points of the light of the year. And so th the ancient winter solstice was associated with Aquarius. So some of the hope that we experience uh, with Aquarius can really be hearkened back to the, the return of the, the growth of the day, the, the increase in awareness, the increase of light that happens at that winter solstice, okay? Now, there's all sorts of myths associated with Aquarius. Uh, there's, there's the myth of uh, Zeus and Ganymede, or Ganymede, who was the cupbearer or the, the youth that was uh, abducted by, by Zeus in the form of an eagle or just the eagle and who brought him to Zeus. There's a few different ways people have talked about that. And that has some, uh, some merit with the, uh, or some correlation with the constellation Aquila, which was the eagle. And you can see this if we go over to our star chart again. All right, let's take a look at 17th. We can see as we move forward in the day, here we'll have, uh, we have now, we can see Aquarius here rising. And we have here as Aquila, 
and Altar, Altair, the, the brightest star in there, and there's the eagle. Some people thought of this as a vulture, and I think he, this, I believe this is the youth that was being abducted, <laughs> like, and uh, we could also consider that youth here pouring out the waters of life into the, the mouth of the fish, Fomahalt. Okay, Fomahalt was one of the watchers of the, I believe it was the, the one of the watchers of the, uh, the winter solstice. Um, it used to be in Aquarius before precession moved it to uh, Pisces. It's roughly at four degrees Pisces now, but a few thousand years ago, it was, you know, smack dab in the, in the middle or the beginning of, of the sign, the tropical sign of Aquarius. So definitely some uh, associations with the waters or the purification of the cleansing of desire of humanity moving from base leo like raw barbaric desire that you can see in the lion over here its opposite is a very humane type of experience cleansing this water they called this water this was from a book called star lore but they called this the sweet water water that you could drink not the harsh water of the ocean the salt water so it was purified water and ganymede was the cupbearer of of this either this sweet water or this wine or something to the gods. So we may be trying to gift something to humanity right now where we are trying to bring a more humane way of relating to one another, uh, restoring some kind of balance to those that have felt that they were in exile. Uh, the, the daimon or spirit of this particular decan of Aquarius is Daiki. And Daiki was the goddess of justice. And she was responsible for fair judgments and the rights established by customs and laws. Very interesting. And I want to read you something that is associated with Daiki. Now, this is from the site called the OI, or the yeah, T-H-E-O-I.com. And that is a, it's a, it's a really great site where you can get all the kind of the myths, the mythology, the Greek mythology, and, and, all the stories behind it. And this is from Hesiod. And Hesiod talks about Dyke. He says, this is from Works and Days from Hesiod. It says, Dyke, goddess of justice, listen to the right and do not foster violence, for violence is bad for a poor man. Uh, whoop, uh, is that the one I wanted to do? Sorry. Yeah, okay. That's the one I wanted. Yep. Okay, let me start again. <laughs> I apologize. Like I said, we're getting close to dinner time here. Listen to the to right and do not foster violence, for violence is bad for a poor man. Even the prosperous cannot easily bear its burden, but is weighed down under when he has fallen into a, un, under it when he has fallen into delusion. The better path is to go by on the other side towards justice. For Dyke, justice beats hubris, outrage when she comes at length to the end of the race. But only when he has suffered does the fool, interesting correlation with our card of the week, only when he has suffered does the fool learn this. For Horkos keeps pace with wrong judgments. There is a noise when Dyke is being dragged in the way where those who devour bribes and give sentence with crooked judgments take her. And she, wrapped in mist, follows to the city 
and haunts of the people, weeping, and the bringing of mischief to men, even to such as have driven her forth, in that they did not deal straightly with her. But they who give straight judgments to strangers and to the men of the land, and go not aside from what is just, their cities flourish, and to the people prosper in it. And the people prosper in it. Irene, a.k.a. Peace, the nurse of children, is abroad in their land, and all-seeing Zeus never decries cruel war against them. Neither famine nor disaster ever haunt men who do true justice, but lightheartedly they tend the fields which all their care, with all their care. The earth bears them victual in plenty, and on the mountains the oak bears acorns upon the top and the bees in the mists. Their woolly sheep are laden with fleeces. Their women bear children like their parents. They flourish continually with good things and do not travel on ships, for the grain-giving earth bears them fruit. Wow. That sounds like a very idealistic, utopian type of society, doesn't it? And that is what we're trying to aspire towards with Aquarius, uh, this kind of utopian equality. And the key is fairness and justice for all. The more that we uplift one another, the more that we can build towards that utopian ideal. When we have people that are oppressed in the society, there will never be that peace because by taking away from one to give to the very few, you are fostering resentment. You are fostering, you know, rebellion, okay? By providing enough and equality and rights for everyone, there's no need for people to fight. There's no need for people to go to war. And if people would just realize this, if they would be willing to share, which I think is the real message of this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, we'd be on our way, I think, to that more idealistic society. And this may be some of the things that people are visualizing with the quote-unquote age of Aquarius. Now, there, there are uh, many arguments to be made that that is not a real thing. And that's a, a very modern invention, the age of Aquarius, that's based on something that was concocted in the last hundred years or so. The real ages in traditional astrology were marked out by the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions, the great conjunctions, and by which element that they were in. And this one is so important because it starts in a new element, the air element. You know, uh, for, for the first time, albeit one little preview in the early 80s, uh, for the next few hundred years. And this is something that's going to change the way that we craft the customs and laws of our world. And are we going to choose to, to uh, give equality and equal rights to everyone, to the marginalized of society? Or are the people in power going to double down on that power and create the, the, nece the necessity for some kind of rebellion, for some kind of uh, pushback. It's going to, either way, I think we may get closer to a more fair and just society. The only question is, is it going to happen peacefully or is it going to happen, you know, with uh, violence? I think that's really just the question that we're experiencing right now. But equality is really the end goal, I think.
in my opinion. And that's just something that it bears out in, in these, the, these signs, these, these stories. Now, the last time that Saturn was in Aquarius was 1991, February 7th, 1991 to January 29th, 1994. And there's some really interesting similarities between the story of George Floyd that we saw earlier this year and the story of Rodney King. And Rodney King was a truck driver that was pulled out of his rig uh, at, on March the 3rd, 1991, shortly after Saturn moved into Aquarius and was beaten very violently by the Los Angeles police. And the, uh, the outcry from society, the justified outcry from society was very loud after that. And we see th those things echoed with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, there is a quality to of called nemesis to Saturn. Okay. Saturn was a non-K, that which compels us, but also it played the role of nemesis. And nemesis was the the kind of the deity that restored right proportion, okay, to the random nature or the random distribution of fate, which we consider 2K. 2K and nemesis were like opposite kind of forces, right? So Saturn is playing this role through laws, through punishment, through contraction, through objectivity to restore right proportion. Now, what's interesting is, is that a lot of times Saturn restores right proportion through punishment, through, through justice, through punishment. Now, Jupiter is also going to be moving into this decade and will be restoring justice, perhaps through granting gifts or abundance. Maybe we see something change with the way that we, excuse me, take care of each other in society. Maybe something like uh, student loan forgiveness that helps to redistribute some of the wealth of society and, and give people that, that went into a lot of debt will, will give them a chance to you know, build wealth and prosperity. Maybe we'll see something like a, I don't know, a universal basic income so that everybody has enough to, to live moving forward. Maybe eventually we'll see something like universal health care in this country where everybody has the right to medical care, whether you're rich or you can afford it or not. I mean, those are the types of things that we may see with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Those are some of the hopes, I guess, for a lot of people. And it comes through sharing. I mean, that's really the, uh, one of the keys. Now, there's other things associated with uh, this particular constellation. Uh, a lot of uh, stories of great floods are associated with this particular area of the Zodiac too. And a lot of the times great floods happen to wash away an old society and make room for a new one. You see this in biblical stories. You see this in Mesopotamian, Babylonian epics. So this is like a, a rebirth type of moment where we're washing away the, the garbage of the old way of living to, to come to a more purified type of existence. Uh, you have to be careful that you don't have some kind of zealousness about that where you're, you know, it has to be fair. It's, it can't be just, you know, you can't get... Um, I don't know. I would say there's also danger for homogenizing to this and, and washing away some good things with some of the bad things. So, so we have to be careful that we're not um, washing away all of our individuality 
like one of the 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 um i don't know the dangers of moving forward into this technological era is, is losing privacy losing our ability to make choices with technology and things of that nature losing our sense of individuality um, those are real dangers. I do think that those are questions that we're going to constantly be debating as we move forward. And we're, we're seeing um, some, some things happening where uh, technology is going to be having a reckoning moving forward too. There's already been some discussions about antitrust laws for things like Facebook breaking up their monopoly. Um, and I think this, those conversations are going to get really intense when Pluto joins the conversation in Aquarius uh, a few years down the road. Okay, I think that's what I've got for Saturn in Aquarius. Let me just make sure I hit all the points. Oh, one other, one other little thing is uh, there was some association with Hercules in this particular constellation too. And one of the, um, uh, the labors, I believe one of the labors you could associate with this is the cleansing of the... Um, Augean, Augean, is that how you say it? The Augean or Augean stable, right? Augean, Augean, <laughs> help me out here, folks. This is, so he basically, uh, Her Hercules, which many ancient authors uh, associated with the path of the sun through the Zodiac, he, he had to do all these labors for this particular king, um, Erythrius, I think is how you say it. I'm sorry if I'm butchering all these these ancient Greek names at this point, but um, with with the stables, he was given the task to cleanse these stables, and he he rediverted like these rivers to clean them. Basically, this was like a, a stable that that everybody led like all of their herds of animals and hadn't been cleaned in like thousands of years, and he found a way to divert a river and open a hole in the the, the stable to cleanse it all out. But there was a a, a lesson with this though is that he made a bargain with um, he made a bargain with the owner of the stable that he would get like 15% or 10% of his his cattle after he was done and this was not uh, allowed in the labors that he had been given because he he stood to profit from it rather than to uh, just do it out of the purity of doing the task that was sent to him and eventually he was given two extra tasks because of his, I guess, his hubris in this, in, in breaking the rules. So there, I guess the key with this is, um, you know, be careful of when we're doing things like this, when we're trying to create equality, balance, fairness, social justice, that it's for the purity of it and not for profit. You know, I think because if you do try to add a bunch of like, um, you know, if people try to monopolize and profit on these types of things, they will be given extra tasks. They will be punished for it, is, is I think what this, this story is trying to say, if I'm trying to glean some tropological meaning from it. So again, we're trying to, to purify uh, the customs and, and the shared uh, experience we have as a, as a community. All right, let's move forward to Friday. And I'll talk about this more next week as, as we see the, the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, on Monday the 21st, but we'll just get familiar with Saturn as we go through this, uh, this story here. All right, so if we move forward, move forward to Friday, Friday, December the 18th, 
the moon is going to start out in Aquarius. And in the waxing crescent phase, we're going to get a sextile from the moon to Mars at 5.08 p.m. at 22 degrees of Aquarius and Aries, respectively. We are going to see some interesting uh, conjunctions. Mercury is going to conjoin the fixed star Aculeus at 26 degrees of Sagittarius. And that is one of the stars in the tail of the scorpion. And this one is the uh, less violent of the star of the two. There's two, the other one being Acumen at 29 degrees Sagittarius. It's part of a nebula that was, and anytime you have a fixed star that's part of a nebula, there's associations with blindness. Um, so the, Bernadette Bray talks about criticism, but constructive criticism with this fixed star. Um, we may have some opinions that we're sharing with, with Mercury. We may receive some criticism, but it might be something, a challenging conversation that if we're able to weather that storm, we may gain strength from it. Um, we may be uh, able to roll with the punches or, or have some attacks that eventually will, will strengthen us. Um, this may be something where we may be a little bit blind in our own opinions too. So we have to be, we have to watch out for that. And we have to watch out for, for you know, being able to take into account many different sides of an argument, rational sides of an argument, not irrational stuff. Again, I'll say this again, like there, there, there is a way to look at something objectively. And then there's a way to just like put your tinfoil hat on and, and just fall per victim to, to gaslighting. So anyway, um, the other really kind of thing that is somewhat unique that I don't have a whole lot of information on, but I just thought it was something to point out is both Mercury and, and the sun are going to be very close to a point called the galactic center at 27 degrees of Sagittarius. And this is actually, we're going to have a Mercury sun Kazemi moment very close to the galactic center. And, uh, I don't exactly know what that means, but I thought it'd be pretty, it's pretty interesting. Maybe there is some messaging that's coming from very, the very heart of our solar system, uh, some, the very heart of wisdom, the very uh, birthplace of our Milky Way galaxy here that we're a part of. And I thought that was really interesting because there, there may be a, a place of deep wisdom. There may be some deep, deep realizations that come from this, this point in time. And I, I myself am looking forward to seeing what wisdom pops up and if it is uh, rooted in some of that galactic truth. All right, let's move forward to Saturday. Thank you for sticking with me throughout all of my uh, <laughs> ranting, raving, philosophizing, encouraging, or going through the whole gamut of human emotions in this forecast today. So thank you for, for bearing with it. Uh, and uh, let's talk about Saturday, uh, December the 19th, and try to bring this one home with the weekend here. On Saturday, December the 19th, the moon is going to move from Aquarius into Pisces at 7.38 a.m., continuing the waxing crescent phase. We're going to have a sextile between the moon and Mercury at 2.49 a.m. Uh, the, the moon will sextile the sun at 3.44 a.m., so harmony between the lights on Saturday. And then uh, it will move into Pisces, the moon will, at 7.38 a.m. The moon will then square Venus at 5.40 in the evening Eastern time, and then sextile Uranus in the later evening hours. Uh, the big news, two big news, two big newses. There's big newses every day. There's big news every day this week. Uh, Jupiter moves into Aquarius at 8.07 a.m. 
And then Mercury makes a conjunction or the superior Kazemi moment with uh, the sun at 1025 p.m. So Jupiter in Aquarius, we just got done talking about Jupiter or Saturn in Aquarius on Tuesday. So if you want to deep dive into the first decade of Aquarius, go back a few, a few days here in the forecast. But this one is, uh, again, we're going to be dealing with uh, the daimon or spirit is Daiki, restoring justice. The fixed star Altair is in, is part of this, you know, where we're Altair had a, some associations with uh, military honors, okay? Because I believe that comes from a story where the eagle Altair was the was carrying Zeus's thunderbolts. So, like, like you know, Zeus, if Zeus smote anybody, you know, the the eagle would would provide the thunderbolt or something of that nature. And there were many, uh, in many of the books I read, they talked about uh, war heroes that had prominent Altair placements, one being like Napoleon was a, a one that was spoken of many, many times. Uh, and he had the moon really close to that fixed star. So again, with this particular decan, Jupiter is now out of its fall, hallelujah. And we, we are still going to be beholden to uh, Saturn, but Saturn is a little bit happier in Aquarius, or Saturn is more just more pure in its expression, okay? And I do think that we will be seeing uh, Zeus's abundance coming to the marginalized people of the world. I really think that that is something that we're seeing here. It's, it's, it's the, this, this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is uh, generally thought of as Zeus overthrowing the old order, Kronos, okay? And then the myth goes that Zeus was uh, hidden away from his father who was determined to swallow all of his children so that one of his children would not usurp his power. So we, we've seen Saturn, Kronos, doubling down on swallowing all of his children over the last few years so that nobody would challenge his authority. And now we are starting the beginning of the story where Jupiter is able to overthrow the old order, the old Cronian king. Now, I will warn you, it doesn't happen overnight. There is a really great uh, webinar by Demetra George that talks about this myth. And she's very adamant to say that it takes roughly about 10 years for the shift to really take hold. And that is based on this Jupiter-Saturn cycle, where around the 10-year mark, I believe we have the opposition of Jupiter and Saturn, and then Saturn starts to become in the overcoming position. It is earlier in the zodiac and exerting its power on Saturn. Before we have that opposition, Saturn has the upper hand. So we may be seeing this story play out over the course of a decade or two. Remember, this is a 20-year cycle. So we have the opposition at 10 years, right? So we are beginning the story of starting to overthrow the old order. And we'll probably have some real challenges to that at the Jupiter-Saturn square that's going to happen further down the road and, and things of that nature. So buckle in, strap in for, for uh, beginning to uh, start the journey towards equality. 
like like I said, if you think it's going to like, we're going to snap our fingers and we have a Jupiter Saturn conjunction and everything changes overnight, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You're going to be like the fool. You're going to be trying to trust too much, but we do have to take the first step. We have to take the first step and then we have to be a little bit, we have to be patient and we have to take the next step and we have to be very practical in how we unfold this and stay grounded. A lot of the dangers with this new era is we can really let things get away from us. We can let our opinions, we can throw them out there and everybody and their brother can, can talk about it and, and, and share it with, with one another. When we have a belief that is rooted in fear, that can spread like, like wildfire. You know, instead of it just being somebody that we're complaining to at the bar or something like that, you know, now the entire world can see our opinion. And that's, that's, it's wonderful, but also dangerous. And we've seen this, that it has real world effects. The way that we communicate has a real world effect, the way that we uh, talk about truth. So this is, this is something where we're going to be uh, potentially embracing um, the outcast we're going to be creating abundance through being outside the, you know, the norm or outside the box thinking. We have to be innovative in our solutions. We have to use our quality of hope, our objectivity to move forward into the, the new era. Uh, we, we have to be uh, willing to, to trust things like science. Like Aquarius was associated with, with scientific advancement. We have to be willing to trust that our human, science is just a reflection of our human divinity. I've said this in the past, but, but science and, and spirituality are not necessarily opposite things. They are reflections of one another. What is, what is empowering things like science? Our divine spark, our, our ingenuity, our, our ability to channel uh, spirit. Some of the greatest scientific thinkers, Tesla, Newton, all of them had, had to have faith in the unknown. That, that unknown where they were inventing things, they had to have faith of, in what they were doing. They're, that is the essence of spirituality, is being able to see something that isn't actually there in your physical universe. So this, this rejection of science is confusing to me because it's sometimes the, the great scientific inventions are so confirming of a spiritual reality. They are, they're so embracing of spirit. These two things, we can think of astrology as a divine science, okay? And it is something where we are seeing this oracular type of speaking. Science takes the ultimate faith, you know, creating something from, from nothing, you know, observing how our experiment or our how our idealism matches up with our reality this is the union of idealism and reality and we experiment we use the scientific method to experiment but it starts we we can't get so dogmatic about science that we are not allowing ourselves to dream a little bit the best science comes from the dreamers and then being able to test it on the earth and be able to make something useful that benefits humanity. And I, I think that's what we're going to see with Jupiter moving into, into Aquarius is, you know, some really important scientific advancements that are trying to further the, the human species and humanity 
on this on this earthly existence. We're, you know, like like Sting says, this is something that, that my astrology teacher Chutabava was talking about that I really resonated with when he was he did a really deep dive on uh, Jupiter Saturn conjunctions in Aquarius. He did like a four part video. Highly recommend checking it out on Nightlight Astrology. And he talked about at the last Jupiter Saturn conjunction, the police came out with, uh, um, I believe. Um, the Ghost in the Machine, which one of the, the songs on it was Spirits. We are spirits in a material world. And I just thought that was so beautiful and such a great aha moment. Because, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're spirits living in these flesh suits. We're animated matter. Okay? And that's what science is doing. It's, it's animating. You know, it's using the animated, uh, innovative spirit to create something new on the earth. And to find truth, to be a reflection of divine truth. So I think embracing that science is a, 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 it's a beautiful thing. And it, is, it, has, it does absolutely nothing to diminish uh, your spirituality. Now, we can talk about ethics. We can talk about should we do something. And that's going to be a big conversation moving forward. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. Okay, But that's, that's a whole different part of the, the conversation. There's definitely ethical implications to scientific advancement and innovation. And we have seen that as human beings, we definitely get a little bit overly excited. And we, we have lost the connection to our spirituality. When we lose the, the, the animating spirit in science, that's when we come to the ethical challenges. When we balance our divine nature and our divine ethic more, ethical or moral implications and we balance that with scientific advancement. That's when we have things that are actually helpful to people rather than maybe harmful. And it's a continual conversation. Sometimes we don't always understand the, the ethical ramifications of something. That's why we have to be patient and test things. That's why I don't begrudge some of you who are wanting to wait a little bit for a new vaccine because, because we are impatient, because we want to get back to normal, we're fast-tracking everything. We're rushing the process. And we may not be doing the proper types of tests. I know that there were some people in, in England that were experiencing some anaphylactic shock with, with some of the, the vaccines there. Now, that doesn't mean we don't take a vaccine. It just means that we maybe do some more testing, figure it out, and then be patient. Okay? So, again, patience is the key. Staying connected with ethical values as we are embracing new innovative scientific technologies, asking questions whether the technology is serving us or whether we are serving it. That's really important too. This, I've heard many astrologers talk about this. Are, is the technology in service of our humanity and our divinity or are we becoming slaves to it? And that, that is going to be a really important conversation moving forward, something that I, I really do agree that those conversations should be had. Because yes, we can become slaves to our, our phones, you know, constantly addicted to it, we can become slaves to, to all sorts of things, our vehicles, our televisions, our computers. And, and really, those things have to be in service of our higher self, not, not limit our higher selves. Okay. Now, the other thing that's happening on Saturday the 19th is Mercury is coming into a conjunction with the sun, the Kazemi moment that happens later in the day. Okay. So around the evening hours, right around here, we can see that there's the Kazemi, the conjunction of, of uh, the sun and Mercury. And uh, 
this is in the third decan, that really solemn, serious decan where we're, we're, we're really trying to make the final push to get home or to return to hope or return to the light, that barn eager type of quality. Okay, this may be where we're getting some awareness of what it really is going to take to get us to the, to the other side of the return of hope. What is it really going to, we're going to have some information that comes to light about what, what, what we really need to do to get to the other side of COVID, to get to the other side of fascism, to get to the other side of inequality, to get to the other side of uh, this divide that we have between us and, and ourselves in this, this country and us and other nations and us and the environment, us and the animals, all of these things. We're going to get some awareness to what, what is necessary to, to move forward. And um, we may be really compelled to really, to really make that final push. And I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how, how it all plays out. Um, so let's move forward to Sunday the 20th. This is interesting too, because my partner has, her son is uh, right on this degree. So she's having a solar return with a Mercury Kazemi moment. So happy birthday to my lovely lady. Uh, her birthday is actually the 20th. So happy birthday to you. And uh, really curious to see what uh, a Kazemi on your son brings. Hopefully good, good things. Also, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is pretty, pretty close and, and that as well. So uh, we'll see what that brings. Um, on Sunday, the 20th, the moon is going to move into Pisces, finishing our waxing crescent phase. And we're going to see the moon conjoin Neptune at 6.33 p.m. That's the only lunar aspect that we have on Sunday, the 20th. Uh, the last really the last thing that we have after uh, actually I'll just talk about this Kazemi just a little bit more but Kazemis are uh, when Mercury's in the heart of the sun getting some new information kind of in the furnace it's a rebirth of Mercury I would say uh, the superior conjunction the, I've heard Demetra George think of it as almost like a full moon of Mercury okay so maybe what, like a process that started at the inferior uh, conjunction is playing out. So we're coming, seeing some fruition of that. And my friend Gary Caton was talking about the superior conjunction being like Mercury passing through the upper realms or maybe through Olympus and speaking with the gods. Um, I, I, I had a question with, for him where I asked him, hey, Gary, when is Mercury actually in the, in the underworld? And he says it's, it's, it's the retrograde um, motion and the, uh, the inferior uh, what, what did he call it? Like the inferior pass of the sun. Okay. So the retrograde pass of the sun is when Mercury is in the underworld. And I think Mercury emerges from the underworld when it escapes the beams and emerges as the, as the morning star. Okay. So here we have Mercury having a conversation with the deities and, and maybe bringing us some wisdom, some divine wisdom from that galactic center so that we can make a new start and, and really get to the finish line and, and start start making a new society and crafting a new society that is fair for everyone. The only, the last thing that's happening on this week, and I know it's been a lot, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging with me, is that uh, Mercury is going to dip into uh, Capricorn uh, in the final hours of Sunday, around 6 o'clock p.m. Um, so the host becomes Saturn in Aquarius instead of Jupiter, so we might get more sobriety in our thinking, more obje objectivity in our thinking, uh, this, this one is associated with the two of pentacles, where you see a figure juggling two pentacles. Um, Book T calls it harmonious change. Book of Toth just calls it change. 
Austin Caput calls it a headless body and the daimon or spirit associated with it is Asclepius. So interesting correlations with Asclepius again. We do have a fixed star called Fasces, which is associated with vision uh, in this Deccan. And a lot of the themes that come up in Austin Coppock's book is questioning where to build, where to build your nest, questioning where to, uh, the advantages and weighing the advantages and disadvantages of different locales. Where are we going to lay down roots? This, th since this happens usually around the new year uh, or the winter solstice, New Year's resolutions can be really important with, with Mercury or the sun or any planets in this particular decan. So this is where we're kind of weighing uh, the, the advantages and disadvantages of the terrain that we may find ourselves in. Now, uh, Austin uh, also talks about the journey of the earth signs, where in Capricorn, we are trying to unite with a body to find the proper location to build in, to like find the field that we want to plant. In Taurus, he talks about the unity of the body to, to create uh, fertility or fructification, like making, we've found the land already in the Capricorn cardinal phase. And then in Taurus, we're, we're trying to plant the seeds and, and nurture them to grow. And then in Virgo, we have the harvest season where we're, where we're trying to discriminate between what stays and what goes and, and harvest what we've planted. So you've got this kind of interesting cycle that we are experiencing. So this may be where we're thinking about a new job, a new location, uh, a new form for your goals to take. This is a great time to begin making some of those New Year's resolutions that are going to happen as at the, the, uh, the winter solstice and the return of the light that happens a day after. So that's what I've got for this week. Uh, looking ahead to next week, we are going to, we got another big week, of course. <laughs> They're all big weeks lately. We have the sun moving into Capricorn and the winter solstice on uh, Monday, the 21st, December the 21st, and the grand conjunction, the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn at zero degrees of Aquarius is going to be exact on that 21st. We're also going to be experiencing a first quarter moon on the same day, so not without challenge, okay? We are seeing a Mars-Pluto square on the 23rd. So the, the temperature may get may rise up a little bit with some, uh, some people being not happy with one another. Um, Venus is going to move into the second decan of Sagittarius that same day, and we're going to have Venus on Antares as well. So some intensity on Wednesday the 23rd. On Friday the 25th, we're going to have a trine between Mercury and Uranus and at that conjunction with Mercury and the fixed star Fosses. And then finally, on Sunday, the 27th, we'll have a trine between the Sun and Uranus uh, as we see Mercury also move into the second decan of Capricorn. Okay, that's what I've got for this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate all of you. Uh, I appreciate you weathering the ups and downs of my emotional journey as I feel my feelings and express my thoughts and opinions. I am really trying to help. I am really trying to give guidance. Um, I, I, I have some strong opinions about some things, as I'm sure many of you do too. Hopefully, I've given you some ways to think about things in many different ways and to deal with those strong feelings that come up over time and to, to again, take this, this step and trust in the future, but do it with, with humility. And I think that's going to really lead us to the, the, the new dawn that we're trying to experience. 
Um, if you like the work that I do, you really can help me out by, by hitting that subscribe button, hitting the share button, hitting the like button, leaving uh, a friendly comment uh, that without the caps lock button with, with spaced paragraphs, if you have a lot to say <laughs> in the comment section. Um, I do appreciate uh, all of you and hearing how these things are playing out in your life. Um, as long as you're friendly and respectful, we can have a conversation. Um, if we are, uh, if you want to support the work that I do materially, which is always appreciated as well, there's a Venmo and a PayPal me link. I'm working on uh, something where you can support in a, in a different fashion, but for now, that's the best way to do it. You can also reach out for a reading. If you want to see what 2021 has ahead for you, this is a great time to reach out for a three or a six month reading. I like to do it in those increments because it's easier to digest and to make a plan. I am very detailed in, in when I work one-on-one -on -one with my clients as well. Um, but it's a conversation between the two of us. And I like working together to find a, an actionable plan so that you can work through some of the challenges that you may face. And resilience is something that I'm really, uh, really getting um, some good information on from, uh, there's a book I like called, uh, uh, I believe it's the Holistic Tarot called Benabel Wen. And she really talks about resilience, using the tarot for resi resilience. And I like using astrology for resilience. We can't avoid it's challenging things, but we can learn how to be resilient and to, uh, to work through it the best way that we possibly can. So that is what I've got for all of you today. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate you supporting the work that I do, and I appreciate you as an audience and as friends, and I hope that we're going to be moving towards a more equitable future where everybody can have enough and to be able to do the things that they need to do to get closer to their spirits. So I will leave you with that. And take care, everyone. Peace.